Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. So we know very little about Jesus' young life. We know about the birth. We know that at 12 years old, he went with his parents to the temple and got lost, or they got lost. Someone got lost. And, um, and then John is baptizing down at the river. John is his cousin. John is someone that he knew he had to know well. These boys grew up together just a few months apart. And um, they were probably good friends and probably had their share of scuffles and fights. I always loved talking to my daughter, Amy, in Oregon because uh, those two boys, the older two, whenever she's on the phone, constantly are fighting. <laughs> David, no, put that down. Christopher, stop hitting your brother. You know, that kind of thing. I have to believe that John and Jesus were kids, just like all of us were kids. And, and John, however, John went a different path. It seems that Jesus stayed home. Jesus, it seems anyway, stayed in Nazareth and probably worked with his dad until his father passed and then carried on the work that his father did as a carpenter. And, and yet John, John went out into the desert. John was one of those kind of organic types. I, I like to think that he, when he was going to school, he, he asked his mother for a special kind of sandwich where she had to take locusts and honey and, and put them in the blender and spread it on the bread and send them off to school. And he didn't like nice, smooth, soft clothing. He wanted to be a tough guy, so he wore what was the equivalent of burlap. <laughs> a different kind of kid. But he had to have a sense of humor and everyone around him. John is baptizing in the desert, and the religious authorities do not like it because he didn't get their permission. And he was baptizing Jews, not just Gentiles. And it wasn't a baptism just to go through a purification, a rite of purification before they went into the temple, it was a baptism of repentance which was a way of saying to the Jewish authorities, there is something wrong with just being Jewish. Because the people are not behaving themselves. So they need to repent of their sins and live a new way. And so John's out in the desert, kind of screaming, yelling. But he was so different, unique. And so people came to him. They flooded out to see him. And then, of course, also the religious authorities were there, too. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the third chapter of Matthew. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent. Turn to God. Leave your sins behind, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The prophet Isaiah was speaking about John when he said, His is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord's coming. 
clear the road for him. John's clothes were woven of coarse camel hair, coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. People from Jerusalem and from all of Judea and all over the Jordan Valley went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming out to watch him baptized, he denounced them. You brood of vipers, he exclaimed, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these stones. Even now, the axe of God's, God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the tree. Yes, even the tree that does not, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. I baptize with water. Those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing floor, gather the wheat into his barn, burn the chaff with never-ending fire. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, why are you coming to me? Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as, John, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. God had his understanding to this hearing of his word. This is Jesus' inauguration. This is the point at which he enters into his ministry. He didn't become the son of God. He was the son of God since the beginning of time. But he was initiated into his ministry in this act of baptism. So he came out of obscurity, went down to the Jordan River, and there he was in front of all those people, including the religious authorities, and there he submitted himself to baptism. One of the fascinating things about baptism with water is that water was a negative to the Jews. Not for the sake of rain and filling or watering the land and bringing forth crops. But water in and of itself was a symbol of chaos. We think of chaos as outer space, just nothing out there. For them, the symbol of nothingness was water. And so what God creates, he separates the waters. He moves the waters aside. And at the flood, the waters from above and the waters from below began to close in and 
and undo his created work. And then the people of God were standing at the shores of the Red Sea, and once again, God divides the waters. He separates the waters. The waters were representative of that which was anti-creational, that which was against God. But so here, John is using water as a means of separating the people of God from their own past, from their sin, and giving them a whole sense of newness of life, that they should go forth after having been baptized and live Jewishly. Live like you're supposed to live. He spoke of the wrath of God. Well, God's not some irritated old man for whom nothing ever goes right. The wrath of God is the friction that results between Uh, from his loving us as he does and our behaving as we do. It gives rise to the great friction or frustration that the Bible speaks of as the wrath of God. And so that wrath is attended to. The wrath of God is attended to in this act of baptism where John takes that most negative symbol and uses it to separate the people from their own past, to divide them in a, and and taking water then and making it not anti-creational, making it creational, newness of life. But then when Jesus shows up, he uses it as an anointing. It's not an anointing with oil. Once again, it's anointing with water. And so the symbol of water becomes transformed to this day whenever we baptize. Baptizing with water. Following after the example that Christ gave us. And Jesus didn't come to have his sins taken care of. He came to begin his ministry. He came to initiate something that will be true for all of us. And that is the initiation into newness of life. It's when he does. The heavens open. The spirit descends like a dove. And a voice speaks. And the amazing thing about this, as an example for all of us, as we are baptized into Christ, for us likewise... The heavens open. It's in response to the words of Isaiah. Oh, that someone would, God, that you would tear the heavens open and come down. The heavens have here been torn open. And the breach, the the barrier between us and heaven is forever removed. So when we pray, God hears it. Prayer is not something that is just a kind of a nice little religious thing that we do. It's an actual moment at which God hears us and, and speaks to us. Mother Teresa was with Phil Donahue on his show back when, talking about prayer. And Phil Donahue 
asked her, well, when you pray, what do you say? She said, I just, I listen to God. And, and what does God say? Well, he listens to me. Heaven is open. The barrier that stands between us, ourselves, and God has been removed. There's a wonderful video that I hear almost every Sunday morning. It's called A Child's Prayer. It's, it's written by the, the Mormons. And so the Mormon tab- Tabernacle Choir does it. And, um, but it's, it shows these little children praying and shows parents praying with their kids. What an important reality. An important reality for all of us to know that that we can put our faith in that one pair of hands. We can put our faith in God. We can put our faith in in him and, and in him alone. Well, let's face it. This past week, the last few weeks, have been tumultuous in Washington. And we have... We have watched it and felt it. We've entered into it at our Issues Hour on Wednesday. There was palpable anger in the room. A lot of strong feelings about what's going on. We can trust God. We can pray. We can pray. We see decisions being made that we may or may not agree with. I don't want to go into it. (laughs) But we can pray. God is still with us. And heaven has been opened. And the Spirit of God descended as a dove. So I'm sure for those watching, it was just one of those things. A dove came down. And we don't know what the dove did. But we know that the timing was such that it was viewed as the descent of God's Spirit in that form. The Spirit of God descended as a dove. And so it is for each of us. Do we really know that as we live, that the Spirit has taken up residence in our hearts and lives? The Spirit of God actually lives within us as we open our hearts and lives to him. The Spirit empowers us and enables us. The Spirit sanctifies us, gives us the strength that we need to act and live Christianly, to be God's children. In other words, it's not about us gritting our teeth and, and kind of muscling through. We're given strength by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is not just descended upon Christ as an affirmation of who he was in his office. The Spirit of God descends upon us as we submit ourselves likewise for baptism. Even our, even our little ones, our children. And so the Spirit descends. And the Spirit is there within us, taking up residence within us. And we don't think this way. It seems a foreign thought to think that the Spirit of God actually inhabits our lives. Well, he does. And 
if we're attentive, we can hear him. Just as Mother Teresa could hear the Lord's silence, she could hear the Lord listening. As we're attentive to the presence of the Spirit in our lives, we can become deeply and profoundly aware that we have been claimed. We have been given newness of life. Then, the voice, the inaugural speech, this is my beloved son in whom I am deeply, profoundly pleased. Twice the voice of God comes here and at the transfiguration. He says the same thing both times. He affirms who Jesus is. And I believe all who were there heard the voice of God, heard that voice. And again, the resources available to God's children Sometimes we think we've heard God speak to us. If we hear it all the time, we probably ought to maybe check ourselves in someplace. But there are times that are, for us, unmistakable. And typically we're rather humble about it because, well, we've known people who just talk about hearing God all the time and we wonder about that. We, we take it seriously. We take it at face value, but... But God will speak. He is present with us. God doesn't come in from the outside. He's with us all the time. The Lord is with us. He's amongst us. And he'll speak to us. I'm so sorry. My mind keeps rushing off to Washington. And I'm trying to avoid it. We have come through a season, an electoral and post-electoral season that seems to me was so full of rancor and hatred. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God is going to speak and, and move us in ways that, that, that embody peace and give us a sense of what it is that we are to do this inaugural moment for Jesus is one in which the Spirit descends. This is a point where we are reminded of the calling of God to descend. That we are with one another. And that the, the, care, the cares and concerns of the least of our brothers and sisters, are, we are not above that. And we descend into their place and identify with them. And, and when God calls us, we suffer with them. Bill referenced the fact that it's Sanctity of Life Sunday. There's no point at which we don't descend into the, into the least of our brothers and sisters. That is our calling. That we go there. And that we see the the magnificence, the beauty, and the holiness, the sanctity of all. 
I personally believe that conception started before the dawn of time and that when we put our faith in our Lord, there is no death. That sanctity exists throughout the entire span of this cosmos. Sanctity, holiness. But to hear the voice of God and to respond. Calling into ministry was one of those occasions for me. And it has been for me one of the most clear, powerful senses that I've had in my life. And I was in the Sierras with about 15 kids, senior high kids. I was uh, their youth minister. It was the summer before I took off to seminary. Before I went on that trip and before that trip unfolded, I was heading to law school. I wanted to do something respectable, be a lawyer. And the day before we left, I took a hike on my own, went up to a peak and looked out. And it looked down over a glacial valley, and it went down over a mile, and then up the other side to Mount Whitney, which is nearly 15,000 feet, tallest point in the continental United States. And I sat up there, and I saw the beauty and the magnificence of it all. I must have sat there for an hour or so, and I wasn't doing anything so holy. I was just thinking, what law school was going to take me in? But then I thought, and again, this is a thought that came to me. I didn't conjure it. If I could be anywhere in the world right now, where would I be? I'd be right there. If I could be with anyone in the world, who would I be with? I'd be with those kids. If I could be doing anything in the world, what would I be doing? I'd be doing this. And I sat there and I thought about it. And as I left, I remember thinking, I wonder if that was God. I wonder if this means I'm supposed to go into the ministry. I had avoided it all my life, or for a good part, part of my life. I had people saying to me, Kurt, you're good with working with people. You ought to think about going into something where you're going to work with people. And I thought, oh, no, I don't want to become a minister. They're all nerds. I don't want to do that. Except for Bill. Except for Bill, yeah. <laughs> so I started down. Loose gravel, granite. And I stopped, and I thought, I think that was what God wanted me to do. So I paused. And took this picture. Just below the peak where I'd been sitting. As a reminder as a memorial of an instance in which I heard the voice of God. 
the barren tree, the top of the timberline, but one that to this day hangs on my wall up in the office as a reminder. With our baptisms, heaven is torn open. The Spirit of God descends. And the call of God, the claim of God in your and my life becomes palpable and real. And we are given a purpose and meaning for this life. And it's not just made up stuff, it's not just stuff we conjure up, it's the power of God in our world at work, among us, and within us to do his will. Okay, so, Rick, would you come up? And Anne, too, both of you. Sorry to embarrass you, but I'm good at this. These two have been in I've been in Washington. I remember before at one time when he was running, Rick was running for governor, I was giving announcements and I saw them over here and I began to break down just because I know the kind of stuff these dear people would have to endure. And this is a tough time for all of our are people who have been called to service in this way. And I thank God for the two of you. I thank God for the things that you endure and the manners in which you have had to experience some of the harshness of our nation's capital. So I'd like to just have a prayer with you. Our Father, You have called these people to a place of service. You have given them so many gifts and endowed them in so many ways. They don't need this. But Lord, you do. You need them there. We need them there. We need, O Lord, for men and women in that place to act as your sons and daughters. Thank you, O Lord, and may they know of our our prayers and our support in all that they do. And Lord, may it be for all of us as we carry on our work and our ministries in whatever place where you have put us. We pray in the name of your Son, our Savior Christ. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.